Yeah. 
of our confession this morning, Lord, that we would give ourselves to you. God, you gave your life for us. Even though we did not deserve it, Lord, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your redeeming power, Lord, and God, that you can set us free from ourselves, from uh, sin, from destruction, from pain. God, you redeem us from that, Lord. Thank you for that, and God, we give ourselves to you this morning. I pray that that would be each of our prayer. Amen. All right, you can be seated. And uh, if anyone have a testimony or something to share, something the Lord's been doing in your life, uh, feel free.
I'd like to thank the Lord for safe travels. Me and my wife have been halfway across the country a few times since we've been here, and uh, everyone is safe, and, and uh, that baby's getting close to being born, Lord willing. Hopefully everything will go well, so keep us in your prayers for that. But it's good to see all of you again and be here. Let's sing to God be the glory.
we were talking about it, some of us guys were talking that in the end times there will be 150 pound hail balls falling from the sky. That kind of um, scares me a little bit. All of a sudden I realized that maybe I wanted a cave in the mountains um, as a place to live. Uh, but the power of God is incredible. And sometimes I think if we don't see it just so clearly manifested, then we kind of forget about that. But there is a reason that he is the one we pray and ask help from. And when we see him working, we should be in awe. Because the reality of it is sometimes I think I take it for granted. I can pray and things happen and it's just like, oh yeah, I was just, I was just praying. And that's simple faith. But I should still be in awe of who God is. Amen. Those who are able, stand. We serve an awesome God. Let's sing with all our hearts. When he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the ritz. Our God is an awesome God. There is thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists. Our God is an awesome God. The Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for a reason that he shed his blood. His return is very soon, so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God.
this morning. I think if we really, that's when that sinks in, it makes our heart want to sing. Amen. Think about it. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Almighty God, who made you, who formed you, he loves you. And he, he uh, gave Jesus to die for you. It's so powerful. All right, you can be seated, and I'll turn the time over.
Am I on now, Ty? Okay. Oh. All right. Well, so you want to sing Cast Your Burdens? Okay. Unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens. Unto Jesus, for he cares for you.
Alright, another song? God's Not Dead. I have been singing that song since I was your size. Yep. Alright. God's not dead, no. He is
crazy no, monkey. Huh? Read your Bible for every day? What's that one? What do you got? What do you guys want to do? Read your Bible for every day. Building up the temple. Well, let's do that one first. Then we'll get your thing. Okay? Alright. Okay. Building up the temple. Building up the temple. Building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the
I don't need it. So, can you think of a Where in the Bible was a baby an answer to prayer? You don't remember a baby being an answer to prayer? Jesus being born in Bethlehem? No, not that one. Hmm. There was a mother that badly wanted a child. Hmm. Don't remember? No. Anybody out here know? Hannah. Who said Hannah? Good job right away. Hmm. You remember who Hannah was? No. Oh, my. Do you remember who Samuel was? You don't remember who Samuel was? Hmm. I guess I'm going to have to tell you guys a brand new story. Huh? Jacob and Esau? Mm-mm. I don't think so. I might learn. Maybe I need to learn something, though. Okay. Okay, there was a, I'm going to try to read this, I'll try to paraphrase, make it more interesting. You guys listen close, okay? There was a certain man from Ramoth, a Zuphite from the hill country Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Joram, the son of, they love to go through who everybody is. Anyway, he was an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one was called Hannah and the other was Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Hmm. She had none of you little guys who were little people running around. Year after the year, this man went up to the town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hopni and Phineas, the two sons of Eli, were Phineas. Phineas, is that how you say it? Sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for uh, Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peniah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. He gave her twice as much meat, twice as much food, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb, because she couldn't have any children. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So she kept teasing her about not having any children. The other lady. So this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah would go up to the house of the Lord, her rival would provoke her until she wept and would not eat. You ever been so sad that you couldn't eat? Her, her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? I know. That'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Not, not, not really. Um, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She was crying, praying. And she made her vow, saying, Lord, 
Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. So she promised if she would have a son, she would give him back to the Lord. Okay? As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her. Observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. You ever seen somebody just praying? That's what he, she was doing. She was just praying in her heart with her lips moving. But her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Had too much, too much alcohol. Like not quite in the right mind. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. She was so sad she couldn't have her child that she was just praying and praying. Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant to you what you have asked of She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. What do you think God did? What was she praying for? A baby. A baby boy. Sorry to you girls, but she was praying for a baby boy. Hmm. And what happened? So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So what do you think Hannah did with this little boy? How? You know? She gave him to the, she sent, put, took him up to the temple. And he began to work with Eli, who was the priest there. Now I want to read you another part of this story. So do you believe as little children that God can use you? Do you believe that? I believe it. And I am totally lost with where I'm at here in the story. Okay. So Samuel went up and he became a young man that worked in the temple. Okay. Okay, so now we're, now, now we're not talking about a little boy anymore. So God answered Hannah's prayer and gave, him a little, gave her a little boy. So now she gave him back to God, and he's working in the temple. Okay, so now this is starting. I don't know how, I don't know if it says his age. But let's say he's maybe 12. Okay, Brad's size. He's, he's only 11. 13? Why 13? What's so big a deal about 13? Okay. Well, you guys, you guys can imagine him what age you think, because I don't think it quite says what age he was. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, and in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out, had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. And what do you think he said? Samuel. And Samuel answered and said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, 
Here I am. You called me? But Eli, the old priest, said, I did not call. Go back down and lay down. Go back to bed, you annoying little boy. Kind of something like that. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Have your ears ever tingled? Doesn't mean you don't know what it means? So when, when mom says, Well, tonight we're going to have strawberry shortcake with whipped topping on top. Do your ears tingle? My tongue, my mouth waters. I don't know if my ears tingle. But so it makes you it makes you really listen, is what it means. Alright. At this time I will carry out of carry out against Eli everything I have spoken against his family from the beginning to the end. So it talks about what he's going to do to Eli. And then Samuel lay down until the morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And he was afraid to tell Eli what he had heard. So, it says the Lord grew with Samuel as he grew up and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. You think that's pretty amazing? So, let's go from the beginning. What happened in the beginning? Who was his mom's name? You don't remember? Huh? Hannah, good job. And what did Hannah pray for? A baby. And she had a baby boy. And what did she promise to do if God would give her a baby boy? To give him back to the Lord. And she did that. And now, what did we hear from Samuel? Well, God called him, right? And he was one of the greatest judges of Israel. And he loved the Lord with all his heart for all his days. Do you know who Samuel anointed to be king? <laughs> it was a man after God's own heart. Do you remember who that was? David. That's right. Samuel was the one that anointed him to be king of Israel. He also anointed Saul. But, all right. So, don't think that you can't be an answer to prayer. Because I think a lot of us here that are sitting here are probably an answer to prayer at some time. So you can be an answer to prayer, but don't forget to seek God. Because as God calls you, then you have to be there listening. Here I am. Because maybe you won't say Samuel. Maybe you'll say Tiffany. <laughs> so we have to be willing to answer when God calls and say, here I am. Right? Right? 
All right. Have a good day. Good morning. Welcome again to each one of you. It's good to have you all here. Good to have Jason and Laurie back again between your uh, travels and your uh, sickness and whatever all else the Lord has been bringing your way that uh, kept you away from us for a couple weeks. We're glad you're here again. So, And uh, thank you for leading out in our time of worship. That was definitely a blessing. So today, I don't think we have a whole lot of announcements outside of the normal things. There's uh, coffee and tea and water out in the foyer. Please help yourselves to that. We'll have lunch again after the service, so uh, please do stay and join us for that. There'll be plenty of food. And... Uh, as usual, we do not pass an offering basket here, but if the Lord has blessed you and asked you to give to the church, to his kingdom, you can do that in the offering box that's mounted on the wall and uh, in the back of the auditorium here. This Saturday morning will be a prayer time here, 7 o'clock, for whoever wants to show up here for a time of prayer. There is also a uh, white, clear, whatever it is, tub in the back there on that table that is for a, uh, uh, how do you word it, Katie? An activities uh, bin for the Chilton kids uh, during this time with their family. There's... Uh, we want to reach out to them in this way and give them uh, things to do and things to be entertained with, if you will, and help them out in that way. There was a message that went out on our Viber channel regarding that. If you did not get information on that and you'd like to contribute to that activities bin, feel free to talk to Katie. I think that will conclude our announcements. So. I will turn it over to Phil, and he'll be bringing the word to us here this morning. Before we do that, let's again bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time that you have given us this morning to come together, to worship you, to seek you, to hear from you. And I pray that you would speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, give us the message that we need to hear. I pray that you would speak through our brother Phil and anoint his lips to speak your word with boldness, with clarity, and with truth. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. You can turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. 
There's a verse in Psalm 103, those of you who are familiar with your Bibles, you may uh, immediately think about the first part of that chapter and how it encourages us, it encourage, David is encouraging himself by speaking to himself. You ever done that to yourself? Oh, maybe you have, but you just don't want to admit it. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been like me, but especially when I was younger, in my teenage years, and I, I began to grow into manhood, and I began to become a developing more self-consciousness about other people. As I would speak to myself, I remember in particular one time, I was out in the barn, and I was raised on a small dairy farm in the hills of Pennsylvania, and uh, I was out in one of our, our barns, and, and I was out there, and I was, I was talking to myself. I forget exactly what I was doing, feeding the cows or doing some, one of the chores. And all of a sudden, someone walks in the door, and immediately I stop, and I, I pretend like I'm just, you know, get to feeding. And this self-consciousness of talking to myself intimidated me. Does it you? Satan would like for it to do that to you. You see, David was unashamed about talking to himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord by speaking to himself. In Psalm 103, he does it very publicly. And God seemed fit to write it down for all ages. How would you like if God would write what you say to yourself? down for all the generations to come to read. Well, if you talk to yourself, the things that David spoke to himself about, you won't be ashamed. And by the way, God is writing it down. You can read in Revelation. There are two books that will be opened up that will all be judged out of. One is the book of life, and they'll see whose name is in the book of life. If your name is written there, then you'll go to spend eternity with Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, don't rejoice even that the demons are subject to you when he sent out the 70 to cast out the demons and to minister his gospel. He said, but rejoice in this one thing. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know what you're rejoicing in today, but if you're have a lack of joy in your life, maybe you should think about that. In the midst of your trial, think of that. And the second thing is, the second book, it says, and the books were opened in Revelation 21, and the dead were all judged by the things which they said and did. That's what's recorded. So David... I don't know if he understood that, what was coming. But the one thing he did understand, he needed to talk to himself. You do too. Don't be ashamed of it. If your soul is feeling down, there was another psalm where David says to his soul, Why are you so depressed, my soul? Why are you feeling like this? He spoke to his inner man. In Psalm 103, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Maybe he wasn't feeling like blessing God. Perhaps he was feeling a bit down. So David decided he needed to talk to himself and says, Hey, you soul in here, bless the Lord. 
and bless Him with everything you've got. Come on, bless the Lord. Do you need to tell yourself that? I do. I did this past week. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And oh, by the way, don't forget all His benefits. Now, benefits comes from the root word benefactors. Now, a benefactor is one who dies and leaves an inheritance for his children or her children. That's what you call a benefactor. He dies, the person dies, and he leaves an inheritance. Have you considered your inheritance lately? You see, sometimes we go through life like we have no inheritance. We forget the inheritance that Christ left for us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of your inheritance. Romans chapter 8 says, that if we are sons, we have been adopted into his family. Now our spirit cries out, Daddy, Daddy. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. We're his sons, and if sons and daughters, then heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Wow. All his benefits that Christ has given to us. Ephesians chapter 1. We were talking about Ephesians the last few Sundays. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we have been given all of the riches that Christ has with his Father. Let me ask you something. If God were to offer you one thing, if he were to come to you like he did to Solomon, and said, ask me anything you want. I'll give it to you. What would you ask for? Seriously, what would you ask for? What if God showed up tonight, this afternoon in your life? And he'd say, Tim, whatever you ask for. And you knew this was God. This isn't just a crazy imagination. Solomon knew it was God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who had showed up in his life, in his dream. And God said, ask me of anything. What do you want? Would you ask for the inheritance of Christ in your life? Would you? Do you know what that looks like? Would you like for God, your Father in heaven... To make your life on earth like he did Jesus' life on earth. And treat you and allow you to experience the same things that Jesus experienced as he walked on the earth. Would you consider that a good option? All David continues and says, now think about this, my soul. Think about the first thing that you ought to bless him for is he pardons, he forgives all your iniquities. Every one of them is forgiven. Everyone. There is none remaining. And in case that doesn't cause your soul to sing and to rejoice and for you to bless God... 
Maybe there's a lot of unforgiveness in your sins, of your past sins that are still plaguing you. And I've noticed in my life, when I don't live in the conscious reality and believe that He has forgiven every one of my mistakes, all of my sins are forgiven. Then two things happen. One is, I live in condemnation. And I struggle to be free from feeling condemned, being condemned by my mistakes. I live in the past. And I live in the past like this. I live in those past mistakes justifying myself and arguing my case in my head. You do that? And the other thing I do is I judge others in those mistakes. I live in that past mistake that I've made and I blame others. And in that way I justify myself. I blame others. I tell you know, this argument in my head that there was a lot of reasons of why I did what I did and why I failed here or, or why I didn't fail. And all of these, this whole argument, it's like I'm coming before the Supreme Court with my whole argument of my case. And you live back there in the present. You walk through today and that's what's going on in your head. But if you can come and humble yourself before God and live in His forgiveness. You experience the forgiveness of all your sins being blotted out. In Romans chapter 4, He tells us, referring to Psalm 32. Let's just go to Psalm 32. Because here's where David is reflecting on this. Verse 1, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute. That means he doesn't charge you with it. He doesn't hold it against you. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. You don't have to try to argue anything. You don't have to try to deceive yourself or fool others or fool yourself. You're free. You're forgiven. And you can live in the reality of that forgiveness. And when we do, when we do, we experience the blessedness of forgiving. But when we don't, we also don't forgive others. That dynamic remains with us like a cloud hanging over our heads. And it's a cloudy day. And it does cloud your head. It clouds your mind. It fogs your brain. And it causes you to walk in darkness, First John tells us. He who says, I love God and hates his brother, he who says, I'm forgiven but does not forgive, walks in darkness. And the light is not in him. And how great is that darkness? 
So David began to bless the Lord and instruct himself to, on these truths. Remind himself, God has forgiven all my sins and he heals all my diseases. He begins to give God credit for healing in his life. He redeems your life from the pit. He realizes God has lifted me up out of my sin, out of my own sorrows, out of the, that pit in my life. In another place, he says, out of the miry clay who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. And he continues to go through and just acknowledge God talking to himself. Then he comes to this word. Verse 7. He begins to reflect on who God is. And this is the journey that you and I can take every day. When we get up to bless the Lord, if you only consider yourself and what God has done for you, your praise will be short lived. It will be. Have you ever thought about that? It's a self-centered praise to God. It's what God has done for me, what he's doing for me today, what I expect God to do. It's a self-centered experience with God. But David went further than that. He began to look at who God is. And to see who God is, you have to look into his word of who he recorded himself to be. That's how you see who God is. He has kept a good record of who he is. And when you and I begin to open this record and we begin to read about who God is, we begin to see two things. David seen them in verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. And this is how he came, the conclusion he came to. The Lord is, we're saying, compassionate and gracious. That's who He is. Have you seen Him as different than that in your life? Then you need to look beyond yourself. Go back and look at His ways that He has recorded to Israel and to Moses and to many others in His Word. David went back to look at Moses and the, his acts to the sons of Israel. And he said, God is a slow, he's slow to anger. He's abounding in loving kindness. He began to see who God, the character of God. And that gave David faith to believe God is that person to me. So there's something I'd like for you to look at with me. This, this is the truth God was impressing on my heart today and this week. He showed forth his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. There are two ways you and I can live and relate to God. We can relate to God like Israel related to him. Think about the difference of Moses and the rest of Israel as they left Egypt. What are some differences that you can think of? Was there a difference in how they related to God? What is one key difference that showed up very quickly? Very quickly. On the way out of Egypt it showed up, Tim. Mm. 
Moses talked to God. And God talked to him. Faith. Yes. And faith was anchored in that Moses heard God. Back at the burning bush is where Moses' life was changed. Before that, Moses had an idea of what he was to do for God. Right? And his idea was not God's idea. Moses' way of sensing that God had called him to deliver Israel was not God's way at all in his life, was it? You remember what Moses did when he grew to be about 40 years old? And he began to sense, hey, I, I'm an Israelite, but I live in the palace. I'm the king's grandson. I'm heir to the throne of Pharaoh. What did he do about that? Did he just stay in the, in the palace? Nope. Well, I was shaking her head. What did he do? He went out to see what was going on with the Israelites, his people. And what did he see? Anyone want to tell me what he seen that day? He's seen an Egyptian beating an Israelite because he's seen the slavery. They were slaves. What did Moses do about that? Did he care about that? Yep, he sure did. Remember what he did? What did he do? He did what was in his power to do. He killed that Egyptian and he buried him. And the next day he goes out again. What does he see? Two Israelites fighting. And he steps in to settle the argument. What do the Israelites say to him? Who made you a judge over us? You're going to kill me like you did that guy? Then what does Moses do? He begins to realize, I was found out. And so he runs for his life to the backside of the desert. And there he stays and he becomes, instead of the judge of Egypt, the ruler of Egypt, he becomes what the Egyptians most detested. You know what that was? You know why Pharaoh put the Israelites over there in Goshen, in that land, separate from the rest of the people? Because they were shepherds. And the Egyptians hated shepherds. They were farmers. They had cattle and sheep. And the Egyptians were a sophisticated people, an educated people. They didn't much like those kind of people who stank like oxes and smelled like sheep. Took care of the animals. Those were for the slaves. That occupation was. Moses went from Pharaoh's palace to a shepherd. And for 40 years, God's way with Moses was to make him live with his father-in-law and tend sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like for you to take that journey with Moses. Living in the palace of the most powerful country in the world, the richest country in the world in that day, and being Pharaoh's grandson. He grew up there from a little baby. This was the only life he knew. Riches. Luxury, power, authority, 
pleasure. Anything his heart could wish. Do you not think Pharaoh gave it to his grandson? Sure he did. His daughter's special boy. She found him in the river. And she adopted him. He must have had that special attention from the whole Pharaoh's family. He was the special one. That everyone doted on. Until he was 40 years old. Not 20. 40. For 40 years. That was his lifestyle. Sometimes we forget. And Hebrews 11 tells us. Pharaoh, Moses, considered all of that lifestyle. And then he considered what God called him to do. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read it together. Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. This is what faith did in Moses' life. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God, becoming a slave rather than a ruler, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches. Did you get that? Considering Christ, greater riches. Not the good things of Jesus Christ. The persecution that comes with being a Christian. The reproach of Christ on his life. He considered a greater riches. More, more of a blessing than the, than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is unseen. He hadn't seen God. He had heard his voice in the burning bush. And that did something to Moses. That none of Israel had ever experienced. He heard God's voice clearly. And then God spoke directly to him. Commanded him to do his will. And Moses obeyed. Went back to Egypt. Faced his past. Grandfather. And his mom. But in a whole different man. God's way now was way different. He was going to bring deliverance through Moses. But not the way Moses thought. And had expected him to do. God was going to do it. Through Moses. But God was going to do it. And God made his way known to Moses. And said Moses now this is going to be my way. And God spoke that to him. He showed Moses his way first. And it took two things for Moses to experience God's action, God's acts in his life. One, he had to have faith that what he heard 
the voice he heard was true and was going to come to pass. God wasn't going to mock him and let him alone and powerless in front of Pharaoh. But God was actually going to do what he said he was going to do. And secondly, he had to obey. He had to obey God, even though at first he hesitated and he made all these excuses that he can't talk and he's, he's not eloquent and he's not fit for the job. God wouldn't let him off the hook. God gave him help. His brother Aaron and others. But he went. And I want you to think about what Moses faced when he came back to Egypt. Go back and read the story in Exodus 1. And read through the first 15 chapters. It shouldn't take you that long. You'll see God's way with Moses. And why Moses understood God in a way that Israel didn't. And you'll see the results. Moses' faith towards God, his obedient faith to the voice of God in his life was the difference. Israel, for the majority of them, did not understand God's way. They seen his acts. I mean, they seen the, the frogs and the lack of frogs. They seen the lice and the lack of lice. They seen the darkness and the light. They seen all of the Egyptians' firstborns be killed, all of these plagues. They seen God's mighty acts. Moses could never have done it this way. The best he could do was kill one guy at a time. But God dealt with Pharaoh as a nation and with his people as a people, a nation. God did it on a much grander scale through one man who believed his faith in what he heard God say showed him God's way. And Moses walked with God in an understanding of God's way in his life that Israel didn't get. Israel, seen his acts, and for that sense of awe and fear in their life, they followed God. I mean, who wasn't going to? You want your firstborn killed? Therefore, their firstborn would also have been killed. They seen how God dealt with the Egyptians. That alternative in your life? Who wouldn't follow God? The God that Moses was proclaiming because of his mighty acts. They feared God. So they followed. They were afraid if they wouldn't follow. They would surely experience what the Egyptians got to experience. Wouldn't you follow that, Moses? Sure you would. I would too when you see those acts of God. And you and I get to make the same choice. We can be like the Israelites. As you go back and read God's word, you can do this. You can have the faith of 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 11. I think it is or chapter 10. Let me look at it real quick here. 
and find this for you. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 11. Now these things happen to them as an example. To them referring to Israel as you're reading the story. These things happen to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest you fall. A little earlier in verse 6 he says, Now these things happen as an example for us that we should not crave evil things as they also craved. What happened to them? They were idolaters and they died in the wilderness. They acted immorally and they died for it. 23,000 fell in one day. Don't try or test the Lord as some of them did. They were destroyed by snakes. Don't grumble as some of them did. They were destroyed by the angel, the destroyer. You can look at God's works, his acts with other people, even in not so far history, or maybe even in your day. We can be like this missionary. You know, you can hear a story like this. We were listening to a brother whose name is Otto Connie. Some of you have heard of the pineapple story back in the 1980s. He, he began to, he was a missionary in uh, Papua New Guinea. And he gave this story, one of his recordings. He gave the story of a missionary. He and his family and their three little boys felt God calling them out to the jungles. And I'm not sure exactly where they went, but somewhere in the, in the, in the jungles... And it was a dangerous place to live. People had not heard the gospel. And it was mostly dangerous because it had a lot of poisonous snakes there. And they went out there. And as the boys were just little, they went out and they wanted to explore the jungle, you know. And this missionary and his wife got really frightened that these poisonous snakes are going to kill their children. And that fear so gripped them. That they came home. They said, done with this, God. We know you called us out there. But this fear of the snakes hurting their little children. So gripped their hearts that they left. And they came home. And a church in Louisiana. Right? Yep. Yep. A church in Louisiana gave them a mobile home to live in. And so they came home. And they hung out there at this mobile home and began to pick up their life here. And one day, he was outside and he heard the boys screaming. Two of the boys had gotten underneath the mobile home. And there was a, a, a snake nest, a rattlesnake nest there. And they got bit. Both boys got bit. And the dad was so frantic. He grabs his two boys and the, and the little, the smaller boy was a toddler and so he hadn't made it that far and he grabs his two boys and he runs to his truck and he jumps in the truck and his wife was in the house and, and he, he yells at her that he's going to take the boys to the hospital. They got bit by these rattlesnakes and they're going to die and he backs up in his truck. He backs up in his truck and he backs over the little toddler. But he didn't even know 
He's tearing off to the hospital with his two, his two boys who got bit by rattlesnakes. His wife comes out of the door and she sees the little toddler down there dead on the driveway. She grabs him and brings him over and as she comes to the door of the house, she dies of a heart attack. But he doesn't know it. He's on his way to the hospital. And on the way to the hospital, both boys are dead. They die. This man is left alone. True story. The missionary who came home because of his fear of snakes. And we can look at that story and we can say, Oh God, I'm never going to be like that man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith. I'm not going to be like those Israelites who, who got destroyed because they worshipped idols. I'm not, I'm not going to be like a, an immoral person because of God takes vengeance on all those Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 5. And, and I, I'm not going to test the Lord because they got killed by, by serpents, by snakes, and snake might come and kill me. And I'm not going to complain because they complained and, and an angel killed them. And they were written for my example. I'm not going to do that. You see God's mighty acts in someone's life. And it brings a fear in your heart to not be like that. And you can go through life like that. You can read God's word like that. But dear brother, sister, dear child of God, you're going to miss what Moses originally missed and what most of Israel had missed and died in the wilderness for. And that's to know God's way. You can learn to hear God's voice. And trust that voice and obey. Have enough of faith to simply obey that word. And he speaks into your heart. When you have that, that faith, pleases God. You see, Jesus, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He begins in that order. So many times we want to live by truth and consequences. But Jesus said, you must start by knowing my way with you. And his way begins with faith. It begins there. Hebrews chapter 11, we call the faith chapter, where all the heroes of faith are illuminated, including Moses. But Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, remember? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. First, you must see who He is. That's what David went to when he was speaking to himself. He didn't just stay self-centered in his relationship with God. He began to see who God is by examining His way with His people. And when you and I begin to know His way, we'll begin to live by faith. Now that man lacked faith. I don't know whatever happened to him. Brother Otto Conning said he kept praying for the man. He didn't know if he had lost his faith or not. God dealt harshly with him, just like God dealt harshly with Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that story? 
They lied about the money. They had all their money. They wouldn't have had to even sell the land. But everybody, other people were doing it, you know? And the church was being excited about that. People were really giving it all they got. Barnabas had sold his land and brought all the money to the church. And and others were beginning to sell their land and bring the money to the church. It became a thing in the church, you know? And people were praising, blessing them, and thanking God for their, their wholehearted dedication and Ananias and Sapphira kind of got swept up with this, the movement of God in the church. And, oh, that's his way? Well, let's go do it. But they did it half-heartedly. They kept back some of the money, but pretended that they had given it all. And they both died that day for it. And after they died, the whole church was sobered and feared God in a way they hadn't before, about serving God in pretense, half-heartedly, but pretending to do it all the way. I wonder how many of us would change the way we serve God if the Lord were to do that among us today. Would it change you? To fear God in a way that you don't yet. It brought a sense of awe and fear upon the church. But it also, it brought them back to this place of faith. If you do it in faith, they hadn't done it in faith. They did it because they wanted a reputation. And you see, this is the difference, dear brother, sister, the big difference in many Christians' lives. We do things for the reputation in the churches, among the community, in our family, instead of walking by faith. And faith is simply this, obedient to God's word in your life. It can be on the smallest secret things. That's where it actually begins. At the burning bush in our life. Who else was there at that burning bush? Who else was there? Hmm? Who else? God was there. Who else? Someone want to tell me? Jesus. Jesus? No one. No one. There was no other human being at the burning bush that heard and seen and experienced God like Moses did. Now Moses, coming in from that day of shepherding, had to tell his wife this experience. What do you think she thought? Excuse me? You're taking me away from my family? God has sent you on this crazy mission of what? I'm not going. That's what she said. I'm not going. And she didn't go. She stayed with her father's family. And it tells us later on that she didn't come until her father brought her, Jethro, out in the wilderness to meet Moses. Man! What did she miss? Look at what she missed! She missed all these amazing... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I scare you? 
I get a little excited. She missed the mighty power of God in her husband's life. She missed the Red Sea experience. She missed all of these things that God did in her husband's life. Are you willing to miss it? You will, unless you walk by faith. There will be no one else there in your life, dear brother, sister. God's way with man is just like this. You'll read about it. It's on a very personal level of faith. And no one else will believe you. Many people will doubt you. They will speak evil about you. They may even give the devil the credit for what you're seeing and hearing and doing. And say it's the devil. In fact, isn't that what they did with Jesus? It is. You sure you want to be made like him? Jesus said, Unless you are willing to take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Your sins can be forgiven. You might be able to experience being adopted into God's family. But your life will miss this. You'll see his mighty acts in the lives of your friends, in the lives of those you read about in church history, in the lives of those we read about in God's word. But you, you will miss it in your life unless you are willing to begin to live a life of faith, obedient faith to God's word in your heart on the smallest level. Jesus Oh, he talked about this a lot. He showed us the way of the kingdom of God. And in Matthew, if you want to just take a journey through Matthew, you'll see what Jesus was speaking about. And you'll begin to see these things. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus begins by sharing parables with people. Stories of what the kingdom of God is like. This is what he began to share with the people. But it was only his disciples who came and said, Jesus, what do you mean by this story? That Jesus began to explain the, the truth of the story for them. And Jesus told them why the difference. They said to him in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Why? Because, Jesus continues, they close their eyes. They do this to their ears. Lest they hear. Lest they see. Are you walking around like that? 
in the kingdom of God with your eyes shut. Or maybe just not totally shut, but, you know, kind of looking almost shut. You know, there's a difference when you walk around with your eyes almost shut. You can see what's right in front of you. But that's it. And so you live by what's right in front of you. And if you can barely hear, all you hear is the loud bangs, the loud noises in your life. That gets your attention. But you live just by what's right in front of you. Open your eyes and you'll get a panoramic view of God's life, the life around you. Open your ears. You'll begin to understand God's way with you. And God's way with you and other people won't just be a good parable, a good story. It'll be your story. Change your life. You'll begin to see God doing miracles in your heart through faith. Faith in prayer. Faith in prayer. You know why you don't pray much? Do you pray for your husband? Do you pray for your wife? Do you spend time in prayer for the things that cause you anxiety? I mean, prayer to the point where you commune with God, and then there comes a point when you're done, and then you hear him talking to you. You ever get to that point in your prayer? You know how many Christians don't get to that point in prayer? You know how I know? I know because I've done it for years. It's still easy for me to go there. But I also know it by this one thing. They're still anxious. Anxiety still rules their life. And all you have to do is hang around for five minutes and you know how anxious they are. They'll tell you all about it. The peace of Christ. Colossians chapter 2. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Peace isn't there. They're not at rest in their heart with relationships, with the way of Christ and his cross in their life. They're not at rest and peace when they are crucified by other Christians, professing Christians. They're really upset about that. And they're arguing and justifying themselves. They're not okay if they don't have some kind of honor, especially in their family, among family members. They're not okay with that. They're deeply at unrest with that. And they pray, they pray that God would do something and change it. But they don't come to a place of rest. You see, Jesus said, this is the way. My way is that a man is not without honor except in his hometown in his own family. That was the way Jesus lived. Do you want to live that way? None of his family believed in him. Not even one sibling. He was okay with that. You never hear Jesus speaking in a way of unrest about that or condemning them in any way. He was okay with that. He was at rest. Jesus considered persecution in his life a blessing. 
Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when men speak evil of you, revile you, cast insults at you. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. Are you actually blessed when that happens to you? Or does it bring you to a place of unrest? Starts in your fellowship with Christ. If you come to a place where you consider it a joy to be made like him, then you've pressed through with faith in your prayer life, in your fellowship with him, that you're at rest where he's at rest. And you consider a blessing what he says is a blessing. That's the faith in prayer. But so many people pray and pray and pray and pray. But their faith is so weak that they live a pretty normal life like the rest of the people around them. And yet Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, he came down from the mount and the disciples were faced with a dilemma. You know what the dilemma was? The devil. That was their problem. A demon-possessed child. And they couldn't do anything about it. And verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and he shall move. You shall say to that devil, Leave the child, and it will leave. If you have faith, small as a grain of mustard seed, you can experience this truth. That's the context of where Jesus said this. But then he said, there's a way in which you come to this place. Through prayer and fasting, you can defeat the devil in your life. Now, many people try it the other way. They try it with fasting and prayer. That's not God's way. It's the prayer of surrender. It's the prayer of fellowship. That brings us to denying ourselves and giving us the power and the authority over Satan in our lives. Will you pray in faith? Will you live by faith? Or will you be a Moses? Sensing God has a mission for your life, but doing it your way. Going about every day, going out into your world. And trying to do God's call on your life, but not experiencing it God's way. Of hearing his voice and obedient faith to that word. And then yielding, looking at God's way and yielding to his way. The way of Jesus. And you're willing to be made your life that way. Live with God. Live in this life that way. Wow. You have a choice. I do too. Every one of us does. We can walk through life like Israel did and look at all of God's acts and be in awe and even be in fear about it. Or we can know His way. And when we know His way, we do more than just look at His acts. 
we walk with him. Moses walked with God in the very intimate knowledge of God. And never once, never once was he carried away in his life to idol worship. He never worshipped another God all his days. Was he perfect? No. He made mistakes. But he never worshipped another God. The key difference between Moses and the rest of Israel. Israel was plagued all their life with idols. In fact, they never got rid of all their idols. To prove it to you, I'll just read this one word and I'll close. Stephen said these words. That's what got him stoned and made them so incredibly angry. In Acts chapter 6. And Stephen was quoting one of the prophets when he said this. Uh, in Acts chapter 7. Verse 42. But God turned away and delivered them up to serve the hosts of heaven. As it is written in the book of the prophets. It is not to me that you offered victims and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness, was it, O house of Israel? You also took along the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of the god of Rampha and the images which you made to worship them. I also will remove you beyond Babylon. That's written in Amos. I'll just turn there for your sake. In Amos chapter 5. He says, verse 25, Did you present me with sacrifices and grain offerings in the wilderness for 40 years, O house of Israel? You also carried along Succoth, your king. Wait, did you get that? Succoth, your king. Why do you think they worshipped after 40 days of Moses being up in the mountains? They went and made a golden calf so quickly. They had all these idols they carried with them from Egypt. And Kayun, your images, the star of your gods which you made for yourselves. You carried them along. They looked at his axe, but the one, the one thing they kept was their idols. What are you keeping as your king? Moses carried no idols with him. He got rid of them all in his life to worship the one true God and obey him with his whole heart. Yet today, we also make those same choices. And I wonder how many Christians walk with in the kingdom of God. They come to church and they carry their idols with them. Idols like their money. You can't serve God in money. But we try. We even bring it to church with us. And we're, we're pretty happy that we put that much in the offering basket. We feel good about it afterwards. Our money, those are emotions. I make a lot of money, I'm happy. I lose a lot of money, I'm depressed. Money is my king. Where does Christ rule your emotions? I get into a financial crisis and I am completely stressed out. 
It runs my mouth, it runs my eyes, my ears, even my heart. Or does Christ, the peace of Christ, rule in your heart? Oh man, it's sneaky. Last Sunday I would have stood in front of you and completely denied that money had any kind of ruling power over my life. But the Lord showed me this week it does. We had this hailstorm as Carrie was sharing with you. We went camping in South Dakota, the Ash family, and on Tuesday night, was it Tuesday night or Monday night? Monday night, there was a severe hailstorm. I had never seen anything like it in my life. Only for maybe 15 minutes, hail balls the size of baseballs rained down over us. Ruined our vehicles. I mean, just pummeled them. Broke glass, everything. It was a mess. Guess what we did as we started cleaning up? Guess what we were talking about? Anyone want to take a guess? Money. Life insurance. Huh? Insurance. Boy, there's going to be a lot of insurance claims out here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think you're, what do you think you're going to do? Are they going to total your vehicle? Do you think they're going to fix it? What do you think insurance is going to do for you? Nobody, I say this to my shame, talked about what God was going to do for us through this storm. Who was our king? I'll tell you who my king was. My insurance. It was going to fix it. I'm going to take care of my truck. Now, it's interesting, you know, with the mouth, confession is made. I had enough of faith that when we walked out there, Lucas and I, we met a, a lady there and she said, she was talking about how terrible this was. And I said, yeah, you know, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And she just kind of looked at me and says, yeah, I guess so. I was pretty confident about it, you know. God gave me the wisdom to get insurance on my truck. A few days later, I found out. I might not have insurance on my truck. And dad says, oh, my cost, I got an estimate of $10,000 to fix up my truck. And I'm thinking, I don't have $10,000. When my wife told me I, our insurance is good, I, I looked at her. I said, this, I am so sick, I'm just going to go walk the dog. I just want to go out back and puke somewhere. I'm done. Oh, I felt, I did. I felt so sick. I wanted to just go. So I just went and walked the dog. I just had to get a burning bush experience. Mean God, my dog. <laughs> Buster was happy. He was the only one happy on that little walk. Until God got a hold of my heart and he said, Who is your king, Phil? Who is your king? Money you're king? Sure is affecting you right now. Do you believe that I could take care of this for you? Or not? Oh, God has ways of testing us. And that's when we get to decide. Will we live by faith? Or will we, will we live and trust in man? Or some kind of riches that God has given to us? Don't be surprised. God's going to test you this week. Every one of us. He'll test our faith. 
The Lord tests the righteous. Why? Jason read it this morning. The trial, 1 Peter 1, of our faith is more precious than gold that perishes. So God takes the faith that you think you have and he puts it into the fire. Just like he did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he makes the fire seven times hotter so that the only way you're going to have any kind of faith at the other end of this trial is trust in God to save you. That's it. No insurance is going to keep you from dying. And who did they meet in the middle of that fire? They met someone they had never met before. Jesus, the Son of God. For the first time recorded in their lives, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got to walk with Jesus in the middle of fiery furnace. There's where his presence is, in the middle of your fiery trial. If you'll trust him, there's where we'll experience it. God bless Amen. Thank you, Phil, for sharing the word and giving that challenge to us this morning. You know, I, I doubt any of us have these golden images or idols stashed away in our closets somewhere and pull them out and worship them when we get discouraged or things aren't going well, as it did for the children of Israel so many years and years and generations but I venture to say each of us have some kind of substitute for that in in each one of our lives I know it's uh, it's a good thing to, to reflect on what you know what is in my life that that I put more dependence on than God. Maybe even that I don't realize that I'm that I'm doing that. It's it's a natural human inclination, if you will, and and I know that none of us are exempt from that. But as Phil shared personally, God God has a way of bringing those to the forefront and and cleansing us from those if we just simply allow Him to do that. Thank you, Phil. Does anyone have any testimony, prayer request, anything they'd like to share, whether it's in regards to our sermon or service here this morning or anything that God has done for you this week? I'll give you a minute or two yet here if anyone has something to share that uh, the Lord's put on your heart. Tim.
Yes, God God gives each one of us these opportunities and sometimes we we do miss them or, or brush them off, whether it's in a personal one on one way like that or in a setting where you can where you can speak publicly, but I believe those those uh, times are you know, a gift from God to, to you and to the rest of us to, to use us to, to speak his word and his life in, into the hearts and lives of others. So, yes, let's, let's be faithful with that and we'll remember you in prayer for that. Anyone else? John. It's another way that uh, 
God gives us to speak life into the lives of others, even even our own children actually should be the most important thing, our children. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the many opportunities you give to us, the calling you give to us to speak life into the hearts and lives of those that we meet, into our families, into our children. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be faithful in that calling you have given us because there is really nothing greater in, in passing on the faith than to be faithful in these opportunities you give us. I pray for, for Sarah and the Hershey family and as she teaches the boys this year in their schooling, I pray that there would be much grace and there would be peace and, and love there and that this would be a time of not only imparting earthly knowledge, but spiritual and heavenly knowledge. So I pray for a blessing on them. And for our brother Tim and, and the uh, opportunities he has to share both publicly and privately, I pray, Father, that you would speak through him and through his life that he would be a blessing to many. For each one of us, Father, I pray that that would be our goal and our desire. I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you for being with us this day, Lord, meeting with us, Lord, singing and praying and hearing your word, Lord. I pray that you would help us to have a good week this week, Lord, help us to meditate on those good things, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all you have made for us, the food, Lord. I pray you would bless it, bless our fellowship, Lord, the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.